Have you tried changing your health year on year, resolving that this year things are going to be different, but nothing seems to change? Oftentimes, when things are not changing, we're following many wellness myths and not looking at the full picture, including our nutrition, recovery, stress management, leaving out mind-body connection. I want to introduce you to Wellness Redefined, a new podcast from Refillion Media that's here to dispel all your myths about wellness and fitness while sharing stories of how we redefine what it means to be healthy. On each episode, we'll be talking to experts from all walks of life who will share their own unique wellness journey and offer their perspective. I am your host, Tamika Rochester, founder and CEO of Harlem Cycle, a premier wellness space in New York City with a focus on indoor cycling. I've been an advocate for wellness since as early as I can remember. So if this sounds like something that could help change your life, go ahead and pause the show you're listening to and subscribe to Wellness Redefined on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Storytime, where we talk about all things real estate. I'm your host, Saad Munir. Today's topic is specifically for the sellers out there. But buyers, you want to stay tuned too, so you're in the know and are as shrewd as possible as you go out and see homes, especially in this market. And we're going to do something new and address a few listener questions about various topics as well, somewhere in the middle of the episode. Now, if you're currently trying to sell your home, or if you're planning to in the future, my top five do's and don'ts of real estate selling will help deliver you the optimal results. Okay, so the market is crazy, right? We all know that. Interest rates are high relative to where they were just a year and a half ago. They've rapidly risen during that time. And places are still getting multiple offers and selling for over asking with waived contingencies. I see it every week with my clients. It's wild. Let's talk some recent stats specifically for 2023. These are national, okay? The average time it takes to sell a home is currently 21 days. It seems high to me, but again, that's the national average. The average buyer's offer is 10% over the asking price. 94% of sellers receive multiple offers on their home. 54% of sellers receive five or more offers on their home. So you might be thinking, Saad, these stats are awesome. It's easy to sell in this market. I'm not going to say you're wrong, but there is a difference between selling your home and getting the optimal result. I mentioned averages earlier. For example, underpricing a property is highly common right now, so getting 10% over asking is not a big deal. What you really want is to get more than the market value if you can. Additionally, I've encountered several listings recently that I know received multiple offers, but the property is still sitting. Why? The offers just aren't good enough to excite the seller. That stuff happens. If you want an average result, you get that by using an average strategy, an average agent, etc. You want an optimal result? There's extra effort required and attention to detail. We'll get into that shortly. Okay, so let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll first address a few listener questions and then delve into my top five do's and don'ts when listing a property. Hey everyone, Saad here from Storytime. I hope you're enjoying all the talk about real estate. I absolutely love it and I have been having a ton of fun putting these together for you. If you're liking what you're hearing or even if you've learned something new, one thing that would be super helpful is if you would leave a rating on Spotify and a review on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. It would mean a ton to us. It helps us reach more people and build a community of real estate enthusiasts. 
Also, if you have any real estate questions, I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me through my Instagram handle. That's Saad Munir. I'm easily searchable, but S-A-A-D-M-U-N-1-R. The I is a one. And I might even be able to answer your question in a future episode. Thanks again for tuning into Storytime. Welcome back to Storytime. Today, we're talking about what to do and what not to do when listing a property. But first, let's get to those listener questions. So first is a buyer question focused on new construction. So here's a question. We are thinking of making an offer on a new house, new construction. We have a family with two small kids. The kitchen has a center island where the microwave is in arm's reach of our top. Can we ask them for a different center island design? If the home is already built, that's likely to be pretty difficult to have changed, especially in the current market. If anything, the seller or the developer would rather give you a credit if they're having trouble selling the place for some reason. If the home is in the process of being built and has already been spec'd out and maybe is part of a group of homes, so they've probably ordered some things in bulk, it's also going to be tough because the builder has likely already ordered those things and they probably don't want to pay double for the same item. Now, if the home is not up yet and the builder is open to doing some customizations, probably hasn't ordered all the supplies yet, um, or they at least haven't all come in, then you may have some say here to make that change. Now, no matter what, it's worth asking. It doesn't hurt to ask because the worst they can say is no, they're, they're not able to make that change. Next is a question about interest rate buy-downs, which are quite popular these days. My realtor has been telling us that lots of buyers are buying down rates now that interest rates are so high. What is the conversation like? At what point should we say we want that to happen? And in reality, how much can we ask for? So again, as I mentioned, this is very common these days. It makes more sense for buyers in many cases to pay a little extra upfront than they intended and often even have the seller offer a credit back to cover that cost to buy that rate down. Net-net, it ends up being the same for the seller from a cash perspective because you would usually offset that ask with a higher purchase price. Basically, what you as a buyer need to do is have the conversation with your lender as to what options you have and what the cost would be for any buy-down. Worthwhile to have that conversation as soon as possible and revisit it regularly given rates are changing all the time. But when it really matters is when you're getting ready to lock in a rate, which only happens typically after you have an offer that has been accepted. How much you buy down really depends on your lender's programs and how low they're willing to go. And of course, on how much upfront cost, or I should say additional upfront cost, you are willing to take on. Now, if you're going to have the seller pay for those costs and increase the purchase price on the other side, one thing to keep in mind is the appraisal. The higher the purchase price, the greater the risk of a low appraisal, which could cause other problems. And I say I bring that up because that has happened to some of my clients where they have asked for a, a seller paid buy down, um, which increases the purchase price. And you know, typically sellers are fine with it, but um, it does make it, it, it it's happened where that actual appraisal came in lower than the purchase price. So something to keep in mind if this is something you're considering asking the seller for. Lastly, we have a question about a cross-country move. We're moving across the country from the East Coast to Los Angeles for my husband's job. We really know nothing about the city. 
what is your recommended approach? Should we rent for a while before purchasing? Should we wait to sell our home now until we have a new home secured? Prices for everything are going up and they're going to keep going up. My recommended approach is to find an agent you trust, ideally through a referral or just some research you've done and learn about the areas that might make sense. I don't know a ton about greater Los Angeles, but I do know it's massive and that the traffic can be so bad there. So I think learning as much as you can in advance and maybe even going out there for a week to explore the different areas in and around your husband's workplace would be the way to go. What I would do in your situation is definitely buy, but buy something I can rent down the line if I want or need to. And if you do need to sell your home on the East Coast, start having those discussions with an agent on timing and pricing and prep work and whatnot. But this is a seller's market with historically low inventory. Depending on the type, location, and condition of your property, you may have no problem selling. So you could probably time things out pretty tightly if you wanted, but if you don't need to sell in order to buy a new home from a financial perspective, I would definitely wait on selling. It'll save you a ton of stress and possibly a lot of money. Okay, now let's get into those listing do's and don'ts. Now remember, this is not in order or anything. Like, I mean, these are all important and this is not an inclusive list, but it should be enough to get you thinking. Now let's start with the do's. Um, number one, price your home right. This is one of the most important factors in selling your home quickly and for top dollar. Overpricing your home will only scare away buyers, while underpricing it will likely leave money on the table, even if you get multiple offers. If you want my honest opinion on underpricing, I think it's lazy and I think it's dumb. Look at the data and make sure your agent is as well to ensure you are setting yourself up for success with the pricing and that you're attracting the right buyers. As a listing agent, I'd much rather have a well-priced property with three offers against it versus an underpriced one with 10. I can say with confidence that that first group will be better for the seller than the second group. Number two, stage your home. This means decluttering, cleaning, making minor repairs to your home, all of that, so that it looks its best for potential buyers. It also means getting furniture in there if you, if you can, um, especially if it's a vacant property, so people can visualize the space and how they might think about setting things up in there if and when it's their home. Staging can make a big difference in how buyers perceive your home and how quickly it sells. Virtually staging is fine as well um, if actual staging is tough because the home is up six flights or something. But and I've, and I've had an example like that where we virtually staged because it's just going to be very difficult to get actual staging up there. But physically stage if you can help it. Speaking of virtual staging, get professional photos. High quality photos are essential for marketing your home, especially online. Uh, they will help buyers visualize themselves living in your home and it makes them more likely to contact you. This is so important, I feel. I just pay for these myself. I have somebody in my network that I trust and I cover the cost of, of, of his services to myself. I don't even give my client a choice on that. More on this topic in the next episode, so definitely look out for that. Number four, be responsive to buyers. Once your home is listed, be prepared to answer buyers' questions and schedule showings promptly. Buyers are more likely to make an offer on a home if they feel like the seller is responsive and easy to work with. Yes, it's a seller's market, but be kind 
be respectful, and be honest. This goes for agents too. It's a small real estate community and we're engaging with each other all the time. You don't want a bad rep. Speaking of which, number five, hire a good real estate agent. A good real estate agent will have a deep understanding of the market and be able to help you price your home competitively and market it effectively. Please don't go at it yourself. Similar to underpricing your property by doing it yourself and not using a good agent, you're leaving money on the table. The research, the marketing, the contacts, the resources, the follow-ups, the negotiations, the logistics, the details, the headaches, a good agent will be able to handle all of that and handle it well. And you'll be much better off financially too. Now let's get into the don'ts. Number one, don't wing it. Do your research and get help from your agent to do that. Before you put your home on the market, take some time to research the local market and see what other homes in your area are selling for, especially recently. This will help you price your home competitively and get the best possible price. Next, don't be stubborn. I mean that respectfully. You need to be prepared to negotiate. In a seller's market, sure, you may receive multiple offers on your home, but be prepared to negotiate with buyers to get the best possible price and terms. But if you don't have multiple offers, it's important to have a strategy, a plan, and a walkaway point. The worst thing that can happen is you have a solid offer on the table, you get greedy, you think you can get more, and you lose the buyer and the market flips on you. That has happened to people recently. I've, I've heard of these stories and that's just a terrible situation to be in. Next, don't be impatient. Even in a seller's market, it may take some time to find the right buyer for your home. Be patient and a bonus don't here, don't be afraid to walk away from an offer that's not right for you. So again, work with your agent to figure out what is and what isn't right. Don't forget about closing costs. Yes, you'll have your own closing costs as a seller, but if needed, realize that in your back pocket, you can use credits as a financial incentive that you can offer to buyers to help them cover closing costs or other expenses. This can make your home more attractive to buyers and help you close the deal faster. I've had clients on both sides, those that have offered and those that have received credits due to inspection findings. I've had buyers receive a year or even two worth of condo fees at closing. Um, I've had buyers receive credits for rate buy-downs. Uh, these can help uh, to get a deal done. Uh, these details can make a massive difference if the numbers, of course, make sense. Lastly, don't play hard to get with your closing date, if you can avoid it. Um, sometimes it is unavoidable uh, based on a move-in or move-out dates or a 1031 exchange and other things, I get it. But if you have to give a little bit on a closing date versus in other areas of the offer, I would say you take that all day. Buyers may be more willing to pay a higher price if you're willing to be flexible on your closing date. This shows that you're serious about selling and that you're willing to work with them to make the deal happen. Now, a quick highlight for everybody regarding listing do's and don'ts. Let me give you guys a, an example, right? I had a client last year. They had a condo in a great location. Uh, one of the best locations in Boston, but it was older, a bit beat up, definitely needed some work. And the clients were obsessed with the way the market was going and thought they could basically price it wherever and they'd get what they wanted. Amazing rooftop deck, which was at the biggest selling point of the property. But this place needed new cabinets in the kitchen, new tiles in the bathrooms, 
new carpets in the stairwell. It had no central air. It needed new windows. Uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, they didn't want to do any of that work against my recommendation. All they did was kind of repaint a few of the walls. Um, and by the way, I realized it was a four-story walk-up with steep stairs too uh, and with no deeded parking. Uh, my clients wanted to price it at a certain level. I said, we can't do that. And we brought the number down a bit, but still a number that I believe was overpriced based on the condition of the property. We did several open houses over a couple of months, got a lot of traffic to the property, probably about 50 or 60 parties came through. And we got one lowball offer out of that. We rejected that offer as we should have, but my clients refused to drop the price. This was when rates were rising, but they were manageable. They're not like where they are now. We took the property off market so they could rent it out for another year. But the point is that now the market is very different. These clients, unfortunately, just couldn't get out of their own way during that process. We walked away from a bad offer, which was the right thing to do. And they were patient and maybe to a fault, uh, but they didn't listen to the research. They didn't listen to the market. And unfortunately, they didn't listen to me. And now they're stuck holding a property they, they don't want to hold for whatever personal reasons they have. Uh, now, in closing, here's the deal. Generally speaking, if you've got a reasonably priced home in a good location, in decent condition, there's opportunity with the property, especially with how little supply there is these days. You'll sell your property even if you don't have a good agent. No denying that. But did you get everything out of the sale that you could? Did you do everything you could to optimize your result? You're selling your largest or one of your largest assets. It's an important question to ask yourself. Next time you're selling, make sure you're thinking about all those pieces, pricing, staging, photos, your agent, of course, the close date, incentives, your patience level, how much you can give, right? It's not an exhaustive list, but these all have a direct impact on the money in your pocket at the end of the day. That's all for today, guys. Thanks for joining us on Storytime. I'm Sal Grunier. Until next time.